0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talksport Fan Network. Talksport,
1: powered by fans.
2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything. From which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 214 of the Stacey West podcast and what will be uh, the final podcast where we get to preview a game this season I am your host Gary and joined be joining me this week As you probably guessed from the fact that I am doing the introduction uh, Is Chris once again, Chris how you doing mate? Hello everybody, yeah good to be back uh, Wasn't expecting to be on this
0: week um, So it's nice to come back again um, So apologise to anyone um, who is
2: expecting someone else uh, Sorry, got me again Yeah, I mean and me as well If you were expecting Ben um, over the two of us I'm not I question your sanity a little bit. Um but no Ben wasn't due on today. We were actually due to have Jake on to say a uh, goodbye uh, but unfortunately something's come up for Jake uh, and Ben was also then uh, rendered out as well so Chris you are the the fourth choice um which is interesting stuff. Um, so no we we are here. We're going to talk about Morecambe, um but unfortunately uh, I don't know about Chris. I was too drunk to remember almost any of the Morecambe game at all. I remember so, bits,
0: but I had—I was also pretty nice. well oiled, um, yeah. as anyone that, that spoke to me uh, would have noticed.
2: Cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we, can, we can talk very much about breakfast. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah, was, about... I've got, I've got, I can remember every
0: little bit of breakfast.
2: Yeah, I remember some bits of breakfast. Um, but first of all, as we're coming up to the final game of the season, and it is a dead rubber. For both teams, really, although we are then going to try and build it up into not a dead rubber and we're going to call it the battle for top half. And we're going to go into all manner of details as why finishing in the top half is important to the bottom half when actually it makes zero difference whatsoever. Um, But it's effectively a dead rubber for both teams. Now, before we go on, Chris, just to clarify, if I say it's a dead rubber, can it be a, the, the game be a dead rubber for one team but not another?
0: You see, this is a big this is a good question. And I think no. Because I well, think then you've ruined my is... answer Shit.
2: to a question I haven't even asked yet. But go on,
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, you can, it's, it's up to you, isn't it? You, can yeah, make, you. make the rules, you're the boss. Yeah. Um, but uh, my opinion would be no. Because, for example, when we get onto Morecambe, that was a dead for us, but it definitely definitely wasn't for them, and that did affect the game. Whereas, if it's a dead for both teams, I think that you get a very different feel of a game often.
2: But in answering my question, you have just called the Morecambe game a dead rubber for us. And my question was going to be, or the thing that we're going to discuss first of all, and, and it's not a non-football thing, I think we might find a non-football thing to talk about, was your favourite final day of the season, dead rubber for Lincoln game. Um, it was actually a dead rubber game. But you know, just for those who might not understand, the dead rubber game is something where there's nothing at stake. I think it's fair, isn't it? It's a game where... Win, draw, or lose—you're only there for the booze, um, which was certainly <laughs> us against Morecambe. Um, and so I thought to kick us off this today, and not because we don't have a lot to talk about. What we do have to talk about, we were too drunk to remember. Um, we Ben, uh, Ben, and I—and he's not here—so Chris and I are going to say, going to give you our favourite dead rubber games from the end of season. Uh, the final game of the season is what we have picked as well. So um, I'll go over to you, Chris. What's been your favourite? Dead rubber game with Lincoln City. The concern I've got is this is
0: going to feel like a bit of a cop-out because it's last season. It's the last game of last season against Crewe, uh, where we won 2-1. They were already relegated. We were safe at that point. So it was very much a dead rubber for both sides. Um, I think it was partly because of what happened on the pitch, but probably more because of what happened almost immediately afterwards. Um, Obviously, Michael Appleton left the club. Um, straight after that game, the news was broken an hour or so after after the the final whistle, and I felt like the, the fan base was a little bit fractured at the time. You are either kind of in Appleton in or Appleton out. There was very few people that were kind of felt that you are allowed to be in between, and that's understandable. Um, and it almost felt to me that it just gave us a clean slate. It allowed us to reset, and it was it, it almost like just a, a bit of weight lifted our kind of off our collective shoulders a little bit when he when he had gone not because he, Appleton did a, a particularly bad job, we've discussed this at length previously, um, but just because I felt like it brought everyone back together again. And they had that little um, Oasis tribute gig after the game. I remember I remember that. And I remember obviously the rumours were swirling and, and, and that was just really enjoyable. I just remember the atmosphere just kind of changed once every, the news started to filter through. And whether you thought Appleton did a good job or a bad job, I think the collective um, kind of feeling was just a big sigh of relief. It was like, oh. Right, we can all we can start again now. Back together again. We're all together as a fan base again now. And I think that was really good on the pitch. I think it was a uh, it was it was it was interesting because we 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 didn't score many goals at home last season at all. I think there was maybe a few weeks before the end of the season. Um, Joe and myself, um, so Joe who I, who I sit with, we worked out um, what the average price was for a home goal. So the price of our season ticket divided by the number of games played at that particular point, uh, we did the maths properly so that we weren't counting games that hadn't played. And a few games before that, it was over 20 quid a home goal (laughs) that we had paid for. Um, And that did improve slightly towards the end of the season. And it was just nice. So we actually got two, two home goals to celebrate and a home win, which was really kind of rare last season. Um, So, yeah, so it just, that for, for me, that's why I picked that, and that's why it's definitely not a cop out, even though it might be a,
2: a cop out a little bit. Yeah, it's a great, it's a good pick, it's an interesting pick. We we weren't particularly exciting last season, and it was a, it was a terrible um, final day of the season in terms of the game because we were crap. If I remember, for about eighty minutes, and then scored um, late on to win. It was Hakiba Delican with a late winner. It was, um, and I thought that was the rebirth of Hakeeba Delikan, where Me it more too. Just like he did a backflip. Yeah. Yeah, it was more just like the afterbirth. Um, But interestingly, you picked up there um, about the cost per goal. So going into uh, today's or or, the thingies game, the game that we've got coming up uh, this week, Shrewsbury, Sunday's game. There we go. I knew when it was going to be. What do you think our cost per goal has been so far this season? I
0: I bet it's not that far away from, uh, from, from last season's one. I bet it isn't far away at all. I reckon it's slightly better, maybe I £17.50 a goal or something.
2: So, so we've worked it out on um, 21 home goals scored and a season ticket of 385 quid. So, it's £18.30 a goal. It's probably very similar to last season there. Isn't yeah, it? but one or two of the goals that we've seen this season have been worth the season ticket price alone, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, in terms goals.
0: of our point return and our, our form, home, just overall just not conceding goals and not being... Not losing at home has been a huge step forward this season. But yeah, the actual yeah. price per goal is probably pretty similar, but yeah. I still think this season has been a lot more enjoyable at home than it was last season. I got bloody fed up of, letting, of losing 1-0 at home last season. I'm sure we all did.
2: I'm fed up of losing at home last season. Absolutely full stop. So so before we come on, I've, I've done some little bits of discussion around kind of the lack of goals and all that sort of stuff. I might drop it in when we do Shrewsbury. I might do it when we do Morecambe. But for me... It's quite hard. I remember one game, it wasn't a dead rubber, but five years ago, today, as we're recording, was obviously my back operation, which was a it was a, a dead rubber for me because football really didn't matter all that much. But we qualified mm-hmm. for the playoffs, I think, with Yeovil, so it doesn't particularly count. Um, there have been a few where we've had big wins. Carlisle, 6-2 a few years ago, where Tony Lawmer scored four goals um, really late on uh, in the season. I think he, he ended up with about 12, and he got a third of them on the last day. But the best one that I can remember going to and being involved in, the reason I asked about Dead Rubbers, because it wasn't a Dead Rubber for our our opposition, but it was for us. And it was Blackpool at home on the final day of the 91-92 season. Um, It was the first game I remember going to without my dad. It was a week after or a month after my granddad had died. So dad kind of didn't particularly want to go and my, uh, my Adam Slingsby, my school friend, took me instead. Um and they needed something to win the t- or to win automatic promotion. Uh, and we were needing nothing at all. And we won 2-0, two Matt Carmichael penalties, one of them, if I remember correctly, given away by a very young Trevor Sinclair, who, you know, before he went all um well, mad on us, I think, as they um and i just i remember that game i was terrified the the blackpool fans invaded the pitch a couple of times and they still ended up going up via the playoffs anyway um so it, you know technically it didn't really mean that much to them either um but yeah that was a, that was probably the best one i can remember um i was actually at the car the Carlisle 6-2 i do remember us losing 5-1 on the final good of season to exeter which was one of the most disappointing i think they were already champions and we couldn't Ouch. go up Gordon Hobson scored our only goal and then moved to Exeter, if I remember correctly, uh, in, in that summer as well. So there we go. Final days. Any other final days that you uh, were all that memorable? I mean, there's not been many. Well, words. in
0: terms of, this, there's not that a dead rubbers. One that always sticks in my mind is Simon Yeo with his, uh, his equaliser against Yeovil in 2003. Not Yeovil, sorry, Torquay in 2003. Yeah. Oh, oh. What I what a, what a moment what a moment was. that was. Oh, a jinx. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Obviously, we've had a few, but that, that one really sticks in the mind for me. That's that's the, my first season I had a season ticket. So okay, was a yeah, brilliant yeah. season to, to be involved in. And yeah, sat in the Stacey West stand. Is actually a picture. It came up on Facebook a, a few months ago with when um Mazza saved the penalty in that game.
2: <laughs> and not. I know it's, <laughs> the, this yeah, this,
0: this five or six years, I was I was how old was I about? Like, 12, 13 or so at that age. Um And, and yeah, there's a picture of kind of all of us kind of uh, kind of stood in the line just right behind the goal. Were you stood behind the goal? Yeah, literally right behind way? the goal. I'm
2: literally... It's, there's one of the photos on that, and I'm the same, but I'm just off to... As you look at the goal... I'm just off to the left-hand side in like a cream jacket and you can't see me we on might, all of the photos. We might,
0: we might be stood next to each other. We might be, have yeah.
2: been stood next to each other, yeah. I might have gone back to my seat and gone, those fucking kids don't get it. They don't understand it. <laughs> and there you are. You do. You do indeed. Right, so that's the final game. That's Dead Rubbers. We played in the Dead Rubber on Saturday. Um. Certainly didn't feel like it for them. Great atmosphere, kind of around Morecambe, certainly in the pub beforehand, which I forgot yeah, we went in.
0: I have to say, I think I think Morecambe Football Club is a brilliant little football club. From yeah. that's the first experience I've had of an away. I've never been there before. Um I thought it was fantastic. Lovely grounds. Everyone was welcoming. There was no pubs I couldn't get into. All the fans were friendly. Stuart's decent. I thought it was brilliant, a brilliant away day bar the resort which I'll be, frankly didn't really care too much about as horrible as that sounds as I'll get shot down for that. I didn't I didn't mind actually um no. alcohol would have obviously had a part to play in that knowing that we were obviously going on to do other things as well was um for your stag do was was obviously part of that. Um but as an actual just a just a club I actually and, and a fan better fan base I thought it was I thought they were really good.
2: Yeah I did um I liked the atmosphere around kind of around town. I thought that you know we went in the exchange and the boardwalk. I think didn't we? The exchange looked like a the sort of pub where you might get a bit of a kick in. I, th- I think we sent somebody in first off to check we were all right, and then they were they were great um, down at the ground. That like I said, I thought the, the stewarding was was good. Uh, there was there was nothing really at all to to moan about on the day apart from the result. And to be honest, you know what? I couldn't even moan about the performance. And what I'm going to say first of all is, and I stand by this, and it isn't through a lack of trying we went there needing a point to stay up or a point to secure a playoff place, we win that game. Well, we discussed this, on, we discussed we this on the way from Morecambe to Keswick at length. Did we? we discussed it,
0: yeah, and we discussed it on the way home again, I think, a, a bit, and at various other times throughout the weekends, and I agree with you 100%. Um, I think the lads got caught up in the occasion a little bit, but if we were part of the occasion, um, I agree with you. That we, just, we just don't lose it. We don't. Um, different decisions are made. It's a different feel in the squad. It, it's intangible. So you can't put a number on it. You can't put, you can't measure it. Um, but I completely agree with you. We, we've shown that we've been able to deal with big games and big, big moments and big atmospheres, big situations all season. If we had to get something out of that, we would have done. No, I'm not saying that means that the players wanted to lose or they didn't care. But, you know, it, it didn't matter as much for us. And you could just feel, I felt once, because we, I missed their first goal. Once their second goal went in, it was quite. It became quite open because we hit the post yeah. at that point, didn't we? Mandrew hit the and post. The I'm sure, we'll come on to that. And the bar, of course, was yeah. Um, it was kind of became a bit end to end. But when they scored, um, my initial reaction was like, you know what? Fair enough. Yeah. It wasn't. I didn't feel all gutted. I didn't think oh we need to do better than that or you know that we've we've let ourselves down. I just think fair enough. Fair play. Yeah. That was kind of my mentality.
2: I think I'm gonna. I'll, I'll, I'll come on to something in a second. Um, I think in the first half, I thought. Actually, we we played really well. Yeah, I think it was a really Um, good 1st half performance and probably deserved to be a couple of goals ahead. I mean, the goal is understated in terms of the quality. I think when you look at the pass from Moran and you look at the finish from Sorensen, it's actually a really good goal. And that will get... That will get lost in the fact that we lost three two. You know, a great goal that wins you a game wins a goal of the month competition. Whereas a great goal that doesn't win you a game probably doesn't have the same positive kind of feelings attached to it from some people. And people go, "Well, it wasn't an anything goal. It didn't mean this. It didn't mean that." Thought it was a really work team goal. I thought we played some nice football. I'm not sad to see the back of that kit. If I'm honest, it feels like a jinx. I can't remember any big, many big games that we've won wearing that kit. That's a good point. Personally. Yeah. Um yeah, not but not fan. But I thought we were just in control. And for as little as I can remember, I've watched some bits back and and I do remember kind of odds and sods. I don't remember ever being one nil up and going, God, they deserve to be level here. I thought at half time, when we got to half time, you know, we were we were winning, we deserved to be winning. I thought we'd go on and win the game comfortably. I
0: did, yeah. I I thought I, I, I agree completely. I thought we were pretty comfortable, reasonably in control. Um, and Morecambe hadn't really threatened at any point had they really really looked like scoring and Rushworth hadn't had a huge amount to do in the first half at all. Um, I actually missed I missed our goal. I was still queuing up to get a hot dog um, at the start of the second half, but um, literally just just walked out um, the tunnel as the as their first goal went in. Um, and there was what it must have been only a minute or two in between those and obviously got the news could hear, hear that we'd scored. And was like, oh, brilliant! That's a great start to the second half. We'll we'll, we'll go on and probably win this two, maybe even three nil now, and it'll be really comfortable. And it was anything but. I said that I'm not saying that we were we were poor. I think we actually tried to play decent football at times in the second half. I think Morecambe just just threw the kitchen sink at it, really.
2: Yeah, I agree. I missed both goals um, mainly because I was drinking and smoking. Um, with people that I don't know who I was even doing it with, to be honest. I don't know who I was talking to or what was going on at that point. Uh, but I've watched them back. We go out, we go out, we get straight out and we get a decent goal. Good strike from Matty Virtue. And I think if we leave it five minutes, if we keep it tight five minutes after that, we're 2-0 up. They've got to get something for the game. It's their record attendance, by the way, which was, what, 5,300 or something. Um, something like we could have just killed it. We could have just killed the atmosphere. And that didn't happen. Really, really good goal, by the way, to get them back into it. A really, yeah. really good strike from Stockton. Really good finish. Been, he's been garbage all season for them, and he's suddenly come on song. If he had been doing that all season... Um, they wouldn't be in the relegation zone. No, Quite they simply. wouldn't be anywhere near the relegation zone, um, because they were a, a decent side. And i be honest, Derek Adams knows what he's doing at this level. He's, he's, not, he's, he's the new Steve Evans, Derek Adams. Yeah, not just because he's Scottish and he's dour, um, and, and nobody likes him. But he understands, uh, but I mean, all those things are true, by the way. Um, but also because he understands how to set teams up. He understands how to get the best out of certain players. Sometimes he falls out with players. You know, Morecambe should should be dead and buried. Morecambe should be bottom of this division and relegated in February based on the club size. 5,200 club record where you've got a team who are in the top half could take 5,200 away to every single game in Sheffield Wednesday. That's the haves and the have nots. But what they've got, like you said, they've got a night, nice, they've got a decent ground, nice League Two ground, by the way, not not bigging them up on the League One stage or anything. Um, but they've got a cracking little football club, and he understands how to harness that. And as soon as Stockton gets that first goal, for me, them taking something from the game was never in doubt because the atmosphere turned. Their fans, by the way, never got on their back, even when they went two 0 down. From what I understand, yeah. couldn't hear yeah. it but all through the first half. And, and we go to when did where did we go? Chef Wednesday. And their fans were on their back as soon as we got our leveller. And and okay, that's because the more people you add in, the more numpties you get in and all that sort of stuff, I buy it. Um, And then the second goal, which was the Niasse one, wasn't it? Where Rushworth came charging out. It's it's Rushworth's fault. It
0: is. If he doesn't doesn't
2: come out, he doesn't.
0: He's come out right to the end edge of his 18-yard box where he has absolutely no need to. There's a centre-half that can deal with that. And even if Nasty gets his head onto it, he's not going to be able to get anything on anything near like a uh, a reasonable shot on target. It's just an easy collect for Rushworth. He's 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 made a a big mistake, and it's 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 made it two two. And then it was bas- a basketball game for a few minutes
2: after that, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I'd like to. say, I mean, with, I know they hit the post. I can't remember if that's first or second half. Uh, I know was it Mandroyu who hit the post? Yeah, and O'Connor uh, P- Porty at the bar. Mm-hmm. P- yeah, that's um, right. I also seem to remember we put one wide as well in the second half, where we we've got. I thought we played some lovely football, and people are moaning and and complaining on social media. I'm told. I don't know. I didn't look um, about. You know, we need to tighten up. We need to. It's embarrassing. I saw words like embarrassing, and really. I think yeah. I think because it was a dead rubber for us, and like you said, we
0: both of us agree that if there was anything in that for us, we don't we don't concede those goals. Um, we certainly don't you know, don't concede the third one. The game doesn't turn into a basketball game. We do tighten up. We don't try and get the winner straight away. We go right. Let's just settle down now. Um, I can understand why Mark Kennedy was annoyed. Um, by all accounts, he was he was he was pretty unhappy after the game because you know he'll have put loads of time in on the training ground with the players throughout the whole week, and then it comes up to, to Saturday. It's kind of you get the reward for your work, and to be turning it up and then to throw it away completely. Get it from the players and management perspective of why you want to be disappointed with that, but. From a fan's perspective, we've had a good season. Um, we know that that's not a standard performance to us. That's not the sort of thing we normally do. We know we're hard to beat. We know we're organised. We know that that's our, our factory settings, if you like, are hard to beat and, and organised. That's it, isn't it? Um, and we've we've had a little bit of attacking flair to that in recent weeks. but So it's not like a trend that's just continued. It was a bit of a standalone. And I think we can forgive them for it, to be honest. I really could. And um, yeah, Second goal, first one, scoring their first goal straight after ours just changes the whole dynamic because it makes the fans and the players think, right, back in this now. Nothing's changed from five minutes ago. Even though they've conceded, it's exactly the same as it was five minutes ago and they can just crack on and then they've got a bit of momentum and momentum is intangible. You can't track it, you can't measure it, but by hell does it exist?
2: (laughs) It does, yeah, and especially, especially when you've got your club record crowd I think behind yeah, you. Exactly. No, nobody should underestimate that. I don't think. Um, Sorry, I was just looking. So, in, and then obviously in terms of relegation battle as well, you know, in the stands, no doubt their fans are hearing that uh, MK are four, one up. And then it goes yeah. to four, four. Uh, and that final day of the season. Now, I mean, it's, it's one from bar a unique set of results. It's one, it's two from three um Mk morecambe and Cambridge. I seem to think that we called Milk Mk and possibly Cambridge last week. I can't remember. No, you think we thought Cambridge might stay up, didn't we? we th- I think. I can't. I'll be
0: honest with you. I can't remember what I said. I, I can't. <laughs> I felt that Mk would go, and yeah. I. I, th- I think that was a judgment and also a wish. um I, I'd much prefer them to go than, than anyone else. And I'll be honest. Ever since visiting um, Morecambe at the weekend. Meeting some of their fans, you know, experiencing the game. I sincerely wish that them the very best, and really hope they stay up. I really do. Well,
2: and also from,
0: that... looking forward to next season as well, you've got to have one eye on that, haven't you? And from a, yeah. a Lincoln City's perspective, I would, you know, more commits a, a bit like an are Not they, they are punching above their weight to be at this level, and it's an absolute, it's amazing success story for them to be at this level. But there's no doubt that they're going to pretty much always guaranteed to going to be in the bottom half. Yeah, of every League One season. Um, I mean, technically, so I for us, it, yeah, yeah, Sorry, um, but they're, they're a similar, I mean, in, they're similar clubs, aren't they? In yeah, terms of they're size and stature. But... Um, but you like to think, you know, compare them to MK Don's, let's say. MK Don's have had a poor season, a terrible season, with actually a half decent squad of individuals who have the finances and resources to go out and improve that. and... And, and put it right next season and could be a threat to us next season in terms of what we're hoping to achieve. You'd like to think if Morecambe stay up with the, the greatest of respects, we're hopefully going to be looking a little bit higher than they are. And you'd like to think that that's, it's not a guaranteed six points. Obviously we found that out at the weekend, but it's a more likely six points on paper than MK Don's would be next season. Yeah. Um, so from a Lincoln City's perspective, I'd actually quite like Morecambe to stay up and MK to go Um But yeah, there's a lot to play for on that final day for them.
2: So, Accrington are on 41 points minus 38 goal difference. They would have to win and they would have to overturn an eight-goal swing against Morecambe uh, and a 16-goal swing against Milton Keynes. So, that ain't going to happen. Accrington are playing League Two football next season. Cambridge are then on 43. A draw, if the other two teams lost, would save them because they're on minus 29, they would stay up by virtue of a single goal against Morecambe. Um, and they are at home to Forest Green. So there's every chance that Cambridge could pick something up. Mm-hmm. Morecambe travel to Exeter, um, whose season's done, who are in the worst form in the entire division with five losses on the spin. But there's the Derek Adams factor, who was Plymouth's manager for a long while, and is hated in Exeter. So that's going to be Exeter, I think. Certainly, their fans, the atmosphere there—they're going to want to relegate Derek Adams. A draw is not good enough for them, because MK Dons have got a have got an eight better goal difference. But MK Dons go to Burton Albion, who have got nothing to play for. In essence, but I think it's a tough game, and Burton have lost two of their last five, but they've they drawn, lost one, lost one. And again, they're going to want, they've got players, you've got players playing for contracts. There's no such thing as a team that are not going to try. The, the difference between us at Morecambe was, that I think that there was some people trying too hard to impress, whereas we just wanted to keep things calm. Um, so I, I still think MK Dons and Morecambe, I actually think MK Dons could finish 22nd, Morecambe 21st. I think Cambridge and MK could swap and Morecambe could stay exactly where they I are. Think
0: mathematically that's probably most likely. I hope MK go down. And I hope more can stay up just because of my opinions of those two clubs, not because of the maths or anything like that. Just that's what I hope happens. Yeah. Um, so we shall see. We shall see. But it doesn't so, matter
2: No, it doesn't matter to us at all. And what I found really interesting was there was a lot of criticism from what I understand around the fact that we've gone a bit gung-ho on Saturday, which is exactly what we were getting criticism for not doing earlier in the season. Yeah, And I think when you look at also some of the fine lines, and this is going somewhere, but I'm talking about other teams. Morecambe have lost 21 games this season. They're 21st and look like they're going down. Shrewsbury have lost 20 games this season. They're 12th and a positive result will see them finish in the top half of the table. Cambridge, 22nd, likely to go down, have won 12 matches this season. We're 11th and have won 13 matches this season. And I think it just goes to show the absolute fine lines. We've lost 12 matches in the playoffs. Barnsley, Bolton and Derby have all lost 11 matches this season. So I think it goes to show the really real fine lines. You know, our record holds up against those at the top six in terms of lacking defeats. But it also doesn't hold up against the team that are in the bottom four in terms of wins. Mm -hmm. People keep talking about those draws. Here's the thing. We've drawn 20 games this season. Shrewsbury... One place below us, exactly the same points have drawn eight. So let's assume of the 12 games that we have not, that we, the, the 12 games difference, let's say we won six and lost six of those. So we'd drawn eight. But in that case, we'd also, we'd gone hell for leather in some and we'd won 19 and we'd also lost some and we'd lost 18. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense, yes. So we'd be what, 12 more points better off because yeah. we'd have an extra two points for every single game. So we'd be on 71, so we'd be eighth. So it would gain us four places in the division, OK? And people, by the way, have complained, saying we've drawn too many games. We wouldn't be playoffs if we hadn't been... If we'd, if we'd got an average split against the team that have drawn the second-fewest number of games, Cambridge have drawn seven, Peterborough five, so the third-fewest number of games. People might said that they wanted to see that. Here's the question. If of those 20 that we have drawn... If the the twelfth of the the we said, you know, if we'd lost those first, would Mark Kennedy even have got to this position? Do you know yeah. what I mean? So if we'd lost those six games, but we'd lost them against Forest Green at home, Exeter at home, Fleetwood at home, early doors, would he have got to this position? It's a good point, and it's yeah, you can discuss this to the cows come home, can't you? A big part of that's mentality,
0: isn't it? How it affects mm-hmm. you mentally. If you lose three on the bounce, even if by the end of the season you know it all works out, as you've said, in theory to get on the same points or a few points better off. You lose fear on the bounce. Mentally, confidence is shot. The goal feels like it's the size of a flipping matchbox. And, and you know, the goal you're protecting feels like it's the size of, you know, Everest. And it's just, it does, it. confidence is yeah. a huge thing. The mental side of the game is massive. And and sometimes grinding out a point and, and you know, not losing a game can feel like a win. It can just get you back on track, get your confidence back, get you spring your step back. And it makes such a huge difference. And it, and if you're on a half decent run of being unbeaten, it, it keeps you going. Even if it's a game that you should have won, even if it's a game on paper you should have run, not getting beat is huge from a mental perspective because, it, at the very least, it keeps things at uh, an even keel mentally. So, you know, I've always been glass half full with this this season. And, and you know, and, and I appreciate opinions maybe, maybe different to that. But, if you're involved in it, if you're, if you know, it's the players and the management that actually are on the pitch that are there, earning the points. So if you're part of that group, points massive. Not losing is huge. Doesn't you know, taking the actual points off the, off, off the, uh, off the, off the, off the, uh, off the table, and it's all about just getting through the games and getting the best results you can. Not losing gives you the best best chance of getting a better, a, a positive result in the next match. You know, if you've lost a couple of games on the bounce, it's flipping hard to get it back. I got like it even happens at amateur level. But Sunday league at the moment, um, my team went on a twelve-game unbeaten run. Um, we won a cup semi-final. Since then, we've won one in five, and we only scraped a win last Wednesday night against a team bottom of the league, five-four with a last-minute winner. And we were crap. And and it's sorry, Sunday league. You know, it shouldn't it shouldn't be different, but it is, it should be different, but it isn't. It's exactly the same. Confidence football, makes a football. huge difference. Football's football. Momentum is real, yeah. and yeah, it makes a huge just, difference. So that's I think that would be my little input to that would be
2: yeah, but it wouldn't happen that way, around. That I wouldn't. It would be may may not happen that way. around. the point I really wanted to make was when people are saying we've drawn too many, or we've done this wrong, or we've done that wrong. You know, I always say the only form guide really you need to be interested in is the 46-game form guide. And I, I used to say it to be smart when we were in shit form because I always knew that at that point we weren't still weren't going to go down when we used to talk about um, Danny Cowley's seasons. You know, In the 46-game form guide, we are going to finish between 10th and 13th. Uh, and that would have been, if somebody had said 10th or 13th, uh, you know you can be guaranteed 10th but you might roll the dice and oh guaranteed 13th can roll the dice to get 10th I would say well we'll guarantee 13th it's a great season I'll tell you what let's let's take a little moment um at this point to find out what um because we'll, we'll we'll move on now to Shrewsbury I think because it kind of feeds into it a little bit doesn't it? So let's take a moment to find out what Ollie thinks from Salapcast. Now Salopcast are um one of Shrewsbury's or Shrewsbury's premier Podcast, Ollie's a great guy, somebody that messages me quite regularly with uh, our shared hatred of the parcel delivery force, every um, and supporters of several other clubs, I think, including Bristol Rovers and Grimsby Town. But I might be doing Ollie a disservice there. He's been chatting to somebody who I am beginning to get an immense distaste for in Charlie Beeston. Um, <laughs> who, when I ask it, when he says, Do you want a drink? and I say, Yes, a single vodka would be great. He gets me what tasted suspiciously like a triple. Um, and that's before the game starts. Um, all serious and all joking side though Charlie, brilliant, brilliant uh, guy, he's going to be here all next season for the previews. This is the last one that he's going to do for us this season. He's with Ollie from Salopcast, and this, after a word from our sponsors, is what they've got to say.
1: The Talk sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the quarter-pounder with cheese. Mmm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See Hello,
3: welcome to the final Stacey West preview um, of the season for the game against Shrewsbury. Um, hopefully, not the final time you'll hear my voice uh, without giving too much away. I don't know what Gary's saying, but hopefully, we'll we'll do something else before the end of full end of the season. Um, where you do still get to hear my dulcet tones, But for the last preview, I am joined by Ollie from the Salop Salopcast, how would you pronounce it? Salopcast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought so, thought so. Um, so, yeah, we're looking ahead to Saturday, Sunday's game. Um, I guess what we'll start with, as I always start with it, very, very question, how, how's the season been?
4: Yeah, it's been a interesting season, a bit of a roller coaster season. We've yeah, had a yeah, you know, we were never really near the relegation zone. Um, Christmas wasn't so good, and then we went on this just fantastic run um mm. through January and February, which got us on the coattails of the playoffs. Um and then since then we've played everyone who is really good, Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Ipswich. Um, we played Wickham, we played Peterborough. Um, We've basically played the top eight in the last month or so. Um, And um, so, yeah, and then I think coinciding with that, we've had a lot of injuries, um, a lot, a lot of injuries. um, And we ended up playing a few games a few weeks ago where we had a first team, well, a backup goalkeeper, Harry Bagoy, on the bench, and then five under-18s who had never played a single minute of league football as our bench. Um, So yeah, not only have our fixture list got really difficult, um, also yeah, we've had a lot of injuries. So going back to your original question, it's been a pretty good season, you know, our budget where it is, uh, I'm sure it's smaller Mm -hmm. than Lincoln's, um, so yeah, to to kind of, yeah, be potentially finishing um, in the top half um, is a a good result, Um, and you know, in terms of points per cash um, and budget, um, yeah, we're above target, I'd say.
3: Uh, Yeah, no, um, that is really good. thinks it is sounds like very similar to us, you know, very happy where we are. Um, we know where we are, and we, we would have taken this at the start of the season as I'm sure you would. Um I think from a from a sort of outsiders point of view, you picked up on your sort of run in what was it, January, February time, um, a lot of people kinda of had you as a bit of an outside chance for playoffs, obviously a little bit of a of a hope and a dream I'm sure from your own fans, but it didn't look that unplausible at the time. no
4: No, we were picking up some good results um Mm. we were yeah classic Steve Cottrell football defensive Mm. counter-attacking football um but yeah we were doing really well. and I think the most important thing it was it was fun as well it was just really enjoyable to win lots of games um and yeah it was it was a great it's a great spell um going to games thinking we got really good chance of winning here um and it coincided actually with yeah we signed a very good midfielder in January as well which
3: really helped yeah um so, I, just just looking at recent form, um, I, yeah, what 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 one win, one win, one draw in the last five. But I, just now, I'm looking at it and I'm seeing Bolton Chef Wednesday, <laughs> Blimmer, losing to them three drawing to Portsmouth, who have drawn four of their last five, yeah. and then beating Bristol Rover. So it's I mean four points is probably what you'd have. What you'd have expected at the start of the five games isn't it so it can't be that much of a reflection on how things are going at the minute is it
4: no it was just yeah before so yeah the last five and then before then yeah it was ipswich yeah. and um and yeah the last good result we had before then for the bristol rovers game was we beat Morecambe 3-1 so yeah yes. we've had some really tough games um but yeah, we don't it didn't didn't have any expectations to yeah, beat Sheffield Wednesday, um, Plymouth, um, Ipswich, Barnsley, and so on. Um, it is kind of what you expect, and as you guys know, and your fans know very well, um, there's some yeah big budgets in this division um, and some very Certainly. good sides.
3: Yeah, that, you're very correct in that. Um, so looking a little bit. Uh, little bit more at your squad i made the pretty stupid mistake a couple of podcasts ago of picking out a couple of players that played for burton um on the website i used to get my stats that (laughs) are now no longer there and moved on in january and the website hasn't updated for that so instead of me trying to pick out the players that are useful for you i'm going to get you to tell me (laughs) who are your sort of top players and who we need to be watching out for so that i don't make a tit of myself
4: so um in terms of um our um we're very much slim picking still I only got a couple of first team um players on the bench. Um but in terms of players to keep your eye on, um Luke Leahy um yeah. is a very, very good central midfielder, actually was a left back um in the paid for the last other team he played for before in general so was Bristol Rovers, Paid yes. left back for them, turned him into midfielder. He's a um the top 10 and um, league one midfielder last season in terms of his assists and, and passing and things like that um and so he's a good player to keep your eye on um Shea Dunkley in central defense yeah um, is a, a fantastic player for this this level um and up there one as a very 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 good center back in terms of players um, to keep your eye on um, and players that maybe like will push on in their career there's two um, so Kieran Phillips, we've got on loan from Crystal Palace. Yeah, he's he's um, six him. foot three, uh, man, mountain in midfield, yeah. uh, box to box, shooting, tackling, everything. He's an he plays uh, Island under twenty ones as well. Yeah, um, he's a very, very good player. Yeah, he's very very good, good player. player. I wouldn't be surprised if he's on loan in the Championship next season. Um, yeah, and then Rob Street. So Rob Street, I was unsure about Rob Street. He's is a kind of a. a He's not a big striker. He's not a particularly yeah. fast striker, an all-round good player. Um, I wasn't quite sure about him. You know, is he quite ready for this level? But in the last month or so, he's really come on. He scored a fantastic header against Pompey. Um, right. And then last night, um, he had a really good game and he scored a proper striker's goal in terms of he got the ball, um, turned the defender and just ran and shot yeah. and pitted in the back of the net. That's okay. a very, very simple goal, but it was a really, really um, important moment for him. It was a great goal, but also yeah. he was really close to his granddad and he'd actually been to his granddad's funeral um, on Tuesday um, in right. the day, drove back to Shrewsbury and then scored on the night. So I think it was quite an emotional day for him, but it shows yeah. what a um, kind of a, a young professional is. Um, and, you know, we've all seen strikers come on loan to us and not do very well. Yeah. Um, well famously for Shrewsbury, Ivan Tony. He was a, 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 we actually sent, Paul Hurst actually sent him back. He was that yeah. bad. Um, and then see where he is now. And then, yeah, we've had loads, yeah. of, loads of troikers and, and low knees. But yeah, and Rob Street's doing really well and um, ending the season very well and, on a good run of form. So he's a good player to keep your eye on.
3: I guess it's really nice to see, um, obviously saying that's telling that story there about him going to the funeral during the day and then playing and playing really well and scoring a goal. It, it's nice to see um lone players that are obviously clearly really devoted to the club to oh. want to go on and do that
1: um yeah 100% nice.
4: you should see um Kieran Phillips celebrate um he's um he's yeah they're they're fully in um and that just kind of is testament hopefully to I, the... hopefully
3: I don't see him celebrating but yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but um yeah they're, they're, the players there's a very very good um, squad of players we've got here mm. um, who work really hard for each other. Um, I guess one of the benefits of having a smaller squad and um, there is obviously downsides to that when it comes to injuries etc but in terms of the togetherness of the players um yeah. they're a really really close bunch.
3: Oh that's really good um, and I think as well having you know the two players both Che Dunkley and Luke Leahy that have started every game for you it shows that you've got that kind of real core as well. Um, yeah. And, which every club wants to have. And then you fill you fill in the gaps around that with the lone players and the other players. It's it's always um it's a nice position to be in, especially in a league like this. It's obviously clearly not easy. Um, So so looking ahead to Saturday, uh, Sunday, Sunday. Yes, it's Sunday. Um, what kind of shape are you guys likely to play? What um, how are you guys setting up at the minute?
4: Um, Yeah, it's very easy for Shrewsbury Town fans to predict the lineup these days because of the lack of options we have. Um, In the last few weeks, um, we did when we had an injury crisis really bad about four games ago. We went to a back four, that's just because of um, Mm -hmm. players available. Uh, But now we've gone back to our more familiar. um, So if I tell you from a positive stance, it's three at the back, um, Mm -hmm. kind of two wing backs, two central midfielders, Kieran Phillips is a number ten, and two strikers, and that's uh, Steve Cotchell's favourite formation. Um, sometimes we'll switch things up, play the Chelsea-style 3-4-3, three, three, um, yep. or we might play um, a bank of three middle. Um, but, yeah, Steve was a, a big fan of um, three central defenders, which often becomes a five Um, yeah. On the defender, um And, yeah, that's... We a, know that of, just as much
3: as anybody else. Yeah. You know, you have, you have three players and then, yeah, it very quickly becomes five, if not, if not seven, when you play yeah. that kind of... the two midfield roles as well. Um, so, looking at our team Is there how, how do you as a Shrewsbury fan, as a as another fan in League One, how do you see Lincoln? How do you see our season as going? Are there any players that you sort of have seen from Lincoln that you, you have an opinion on?
4: Um to be honest, not I, I recognise the name Ben House, who scored mm-hmm. quite a few goals for you this season. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of players you had a few years ago. Was it Grant who went off to um, Peterborough? Yep. Um uh, So yeah. But this season, no one's really kind of caught my eye. It's been. I'll have to yeah. be honest. I've had a my, my wife um, gave birth to a child, so I've got an 18 month old. So my ability to uh, spend time yeah. looking at the uh, <laughs> rest of the division has been severely diminished. Um, but your house is a name that almost caught my attention. But to be honest, Lincoln have really gone under the radar. Um, I was actually mm. surprised to see where you are. Uh, in the table, um, I didn't realise you'd yep. crept up there um, and yeah, I, I think it's fair to say you've had quite a low-key season um, mm. um, and yeah, finish it in, in a good place, but I, if I remember
3: rightly, you weren't too far away from the relegation zone for periods of time, so yeah There's you've, certainly been moments this season where we've maybe had to we, I don't think we've ever really been a, a threat of relegation but no. it doesn't stop you from looking down, does it?
4: No, no, definitely. So, yeah, so yeah, Lincoln as one of the kind of almost a bit like Shrewsbury in some ways, um, have been kind of in that middle of the yeah. table, you know, not not going to get the attention of the national media like Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton and yeah. Derby, etc. Um, but then we're not bad enough to be in the relegation fight. Um, yeah, we've kind of just coasted in the middle. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, you guys look like you're going to potentially end, end the season uh, on, on, a, on a bit of a high and in maybe 10th or better.
3: Well, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a six pointer actually on uh, yeah. on Sunday, I know, I know it's for t- t- places that really don't mean anything, but I think it does. It means a lot when you're in the places, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's funny that
4: we both come into this game on the same number of points.
3: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's a good job. It wasn't. It's not like that between like sixth and seventh, and we were playing each other on the last game of the season. Because I don't think my nerves would be able to take that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just glad it's for eleventh and twelfth. Um, yeah. So finally, to wrap up them score prediction what what are you thinking
4: um Shrewsby town um, had a, a big game against bristol rovers and um, yep. there's quite a rivalry amongst the players and the staff so joey barton was um as mouthing off about luke leahy before the game and um, BBC shropshire were saying how BBC Shropshire started doing a, a podcast with the players and the players oh, have been telling the presenter that they really wanted to beat bristol rovers there was quite a bit of aggro um, in the last game when we played Bristol Rovers at their place here in the season. Steve Cottrell obviously was manager for Bristol City when he got over 100 points in League One. Um, and at the end of the game yesterday, um, Joey Barton refused to shake the hands of our backroom staff. Um, so the reason why I'm telling you all this now is. There was aggro
3: at a game with Joey Barton, surely. <laughs> yeah, not. it
4: was quite funny. Um, I did see actually Bristol Rovers admin tweeted. Um, a picture of Jerry Barton saying Leeds stopped messaging us or something, but they deleted it. They're a, they're a very odd club. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the reason why I'm telling you this little random tangent is because Shooty Town put a lot of effort into the game on Tuesday. Yeah. Luckily, we've got an extra get day to recover, um, being on the Sunday. Um, but I, yeah, there's a lot going on around Shooty Town at the moment. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, our CEO left this week. Um, yes, there's rumours that maybe Steve Cottrell might be leaving. Um, a lot of players have their contracts coming up at the end, so I don't know whether this game might be a game too far for this team, or like we saw against Bristol Rovers, they want to go out on a high um, yep. and put a, uh, a very defensive, resolute performance on Tuesday night. Um, but really, did put um, a lot of effort in. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's. I think whoever scores the first goal, um, it's gonna be one of those games. You know, yeah. two middle of the, of the table League One sides. Whoever makes the first mistake could have a big bearing on the game. Um, Shooter ten players are professionals. Um, got a, got a good lads in the squad, so I'm sure we'll give it an effort. But if you guys start well, or you know, get an early goal, it could be one of those games that I'm not sure. Saying that now, it's, it's for me, it's either going to be um, a thriller or it's going to yeah. be a real dud. Um, last game of the season.
3: Part of me fears that it's going to be the latter, but I think it's going to be (laughs) one of those that the football isn't going to be able to ruin the day. It'll be a good day regardless. So, I personally, I'm going to go with a nice, comfortable 2-0 win for us. I I just hope that all of these sort of behind-the-scenes issues that you um, alluded to there are going to very much affect the players, you know, especially if there are a lot of rumours going around and nothing's actually concrete, then it's going to get in the players' heads. So, hopefully we can capitalise on that and just get a nice, comfortable victory.
4: Yeah, if I was had to put a bet on, I'd probably go for a Lincoln win. Um I'd probably, yeah, more, more likely to a Lincoln win, potentially draw, yeah, your Town win is probably the, the lower, uh, lower likelihood, I'd say. Um But you never know, football can be crazy and yeah, you know, who knows what happen. We're very, very, very good at scoring goals on set pieces. Um and so, yeah, you know, you, you can easily have a bit of a stinker, but still score goals and set pieces. Yeah. Um, so yeah. if that's a weakness of yours, um, shoot your excellent is- at centre. We
3: are very good at defending them. So um, I think, I think in terms of stats, we are one of the best teams in the league at defending them. So hopefully, we can keep that sort of record up on Oof. up on Sunday. Right. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, and like I said, good luck for. Sunday, like, hopefully, it'll be a really good game, and um, hopefully, all the off the field issues over the summer don't result in a sort of missing the firing blocks, missing the starting blocks. That's the words I'm looking for next season, um, and it doesn't roll over. So, good luck for the summer as well. And thank you very much.
4: Um, yeah, cheers, mate. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, um, yeah, good luck next season. And yeah, I hope all Lincoln fans have a great summer.
2: Perfect, cheers, mate. Ta. Uh, so that's Charlie and Ollie Charlie will be back with us next season. Thank you, Ollie, for joining us. Um, kind of, we talked about dead rubbers at the top of the show. It is very much a dead rubber. However, we're locked in our own personal battle, Mr. Lamming, because we're not battling for a place in League One or League Two or the championship next season. We're battling for a top half or bottom half finish. Could be irrelevant. Fleet would play Ipswich. Um, Ipswich don't need the points but a win for them will get them to 100 points which will be a phenomenal achievement and if Plymouth fail to win it will mean Ipswich are champions so Ipswich will go to Fleetwood looking for the win Plymouth I think are away at Port Vale so interesting um, however a draw for Lincoln City will see is finishing the top half of the table aside from the Covid season which I think you have to put to one side it was completely kind of unique there it would so be our many. best yeah there's so it many be a- anomalies about that season. There we? was. So this would be our best finish, I think, since 1982, 83, were we to finish in the top half. Is it important? No, um,
0: but yes. Good. Right. Let's move on. <laughs> um, it's not important because we're in league one next year. That's guaranteed. And football never stops. Um, we've, we've had a, a, a decent run into the season. I mentioned this last week. and mentioned it a few weeks ago. Um, when we were kind of mathemat- not quite mathematically safe, but we were kind of pretty confident that we were safe. We didn't want to just coast towards the end of the season, you know, pick up hardly any points and then go in to next season with, you know, on poor form. Uh, I know we lost our last game, but it doesn't feel like we finished the season poorly. We've had some really big moments in the last few games. Um, so I don't feel if we do lose, it really affects next season at all. Doesn't affect the mentality towards next season at all. So in that in that regard, no, it doesn't matter at all. In terms of the stats, though, looking back in a few years' time, and when we go ahead to analyse how was Mark Kennedy as a manager, how was this group of players as a as a as a collective? You know, if we look back and think that was our best finish in 1982, well, it's going to stick in the mind a little bit, isn't it? And it because yeah. it because, it because does become relevant then. It's then our, our that what we're going to compare those coming seasons and, and, in, and in, potentially in decades too. So in the grand scheme, no, it doesn't matter. But there is something to play for.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in 82-83, we finished sixth in the table. That was when we led, I think, at Boxing Day and everything went wrong. We then finished 14th in 83-84. That was the year John Thomas scored 14 goals, 13 from open play, one from the penalty spot, which Tom... Uh, which Ben House is, is aiming for. and Then 84-85, we were 19th, 85-86, 21st and relegated. Um, so last time we were at this division, the trajectory was very, very much start up here and tumble down. If you took the COVID season out, and it kind of does the club a disservice when I say that, because that season happened, that's where we finished, That's what that that was what occurred, um, and it was a really odd time. But if you take that season out, what we've actually been on is an upward trajectory, is this mm-hmm. our fourth season in this division? So we yeah. had the early season finished, the playoffs last season. We're actually steady on an upward trajectory. We're steadily building. We haven't built quite as quickly as Plymouth, who came up the year after us and have kind of gone straight through. But I think I think it is rare to see a team do consistently or to do better than the season before. And then the COVID season, as I said, it was very, very much... We've well, not just
0: done, done it consistently for you know two or three years. We've done it consistently since 2016.
2: Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, and you could even say actually since 2015 because the finish. Oh yeah, the of course. Yeah, achieved, 13th was the highest yeah.
0: in the uh, in the in the league since then, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, and, and the only dip was the after the COVID season, obviously, which was after last season, which I think raised kind of false expectations and hopes. Now, for me personally, you said the finishing kind of in the in the top half doesn't make any difference. It, it doesn't to me personally. It does. To me personally, I think to a lot of to many supporters, I think to say you've achieved the top half finish in League One, you've had a cup run in the uh, Carabao Cup, you know we've gone quite deep in the EFL Trophy. These are all kind of triggers, and I think if at the beginning of the season you said what would be your aspiration, my aspiration would be to finish in the top half of the table, and and we're fighting for that on the last game of the season. Yeah, it's not important, but it would be brilliant to be top half, Lincoln City. And oh, I've always said, would. yeah, I've always yeah, said of top of the would. bottom half, and we're right on the cusp. We're the team that, at the moment who look like finishing the highest with a negative goal difference. You know, we, well, we're going to we, have... you know,
0: that I was just looking at that. I was thinking, you know what? I'd love would be just just to be able to finish with a positive goal difference. That'd be yeah, fantastic, wouldn't It yeah,
2: it would yeah. now. I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. We'll come on to Shrewsbury now. A couple of weeks ago, I said something that I think people were quite surprised about. And since then, Shrewsbury have been rubbish, by the way. Uh, because I said what Shrewsbury are doing now is kind of what we are aspiring to, in that they've been tight for a couple of years. They've kept it, you know, Dower games, nil-nils, one one-ones, snatching wins here and there. And i said, we're aiming to, to be that. I said that a few weeks ago because they're now going on and winning games and doing well and scoring goals, and they've got decent players. And since then, I think they've lost every every game bar the one on Saturday against Bristol Rovers. Yeah, they've lost four of the last five. Yeah. Um, they are an established league One side with players who I find are good at this level but can be uninspiring at the same time. Tom Flanagan was at Sunderland and was, was roundly ridicule, ridiculed. Luke Lee was... Um, he was playing wing back, wasn't he, for Bristol Rovers? Because Joey Barton matched is, out at him. Central mid for them. He does. Carl Winchester is a player. I think was at Sunderland again. You've got Elliot Bennett. Was the bar- Was the guy at um, Blackburn? Is it Jordan Shipley on the wing? That was at Coventry.
0: That was a great uh, signing on paper, by yeah. the way, Jordan Shipley, and definitely. There was some good place I, I think the word you used there, established, was 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 a really good word, and that's and that's something that. I think you can say we are now. We're an established League One side, and that's nice to say because I've always felt, you know, we're we're a new team in League One. It's you know, it's the first time we've been in League One for more than a season in my in my lifetime, and uh, I, it's still a little bit. If been, you know, we had a a season that was never not completely threatened with relegation last season. Um, in the end, but it was definitely looking over our shoulder for a lot of it. Obviously, that first season we were still looking over our shoulder at times Um the end of the game yeah of course yeah Yeah, of course yeah so we were there kind of just you know just feeling like we're trying to find our feet in that division of course we had the playoff season which raised which raised expectations and raised hopes and whatnot but I just felt like yeah we're we're still kind of finding our feet um and I feel like we've just we're established now in terms of how other clubs would view us maybe we're not little Lincoln City anymore we are established League One club Lincoln
2: City and um it's nice, isn't it? I think that's a really nice place to be. Do you know what I think is will be the telling thing is the teams that are coming down from the Championship, we're the sort of team that they they won't say, we have to go to places like Lincoln. They'll look if Morecambe stay up and they go, we have to go to Morecambe. Or they'll look at if Stockport come on and go, bloody hell, we have to go to Stockport. They're a National League South. Or we have to go to Fleetwood or somebody like that. They won't look at it and go, we have to go there. But we'll be a team that expect to beat. Teams that are coming up will want to beat Lincoln City as a barometer of where they are. If we can beat Lincoln City, we'll be a mid-table League One side. And I think that's probably quite telling. Now, what I do find quite interesting as well is our last eight games. I've just talked about form and 46 games and all of that. I did some maths earlier on today to work out on our last eight games, if we took the same amount of points from every collection of eight games, as we have from our last eight, And there are some, like, there's an anomaly there that it doesn't divide easily by eight and all that sort of stuff. We'd actually have 81 points this season. And if we took exactly the same amount of points from every 10 games as we've taken from the last 10, we'd have 64 points this season. So even though we've lost at home to Burton, even though we've lost to Peterborough, even though we lost to Morecambe at the weekend, the last 10 games and the last eight games have still been better collectively than the whole season, the season where we haven't been beat and haven't been beat very much and, you know, beaten twice at home and all that sort of stuff. And again, that plays into that established League One Lincoln City. Um, And maybe, maybe I was wrong. Do you know what? Maybe Shrewsbury fans are looking at us and they should be aspiring to be us because they've, they've recently, their CEO, I seem to think, or somebody has stepped down this week. Um, the manager didn't know that the sh- they were putting a shadow board in place. And I've seen, I've been following all his tweets on SalopCast. There's a whole lot of stuff that maybe when I said we we're aspiring to be Shrewsbury, I was looking very, very much purely and simply at the football. And football isn't just about football. Football isn't just about turning up on a Saturday. All the fans think it is. All your fans think that's all that matters. doesn't matter what goes on other uh, you know six days and, and 22 and a half hours a week. It's the hour and a half on a Saturday that matters. I think we're proving that it's not. And I think this this is a real, really interesting clash from two teams who potentially are on quite different trajectories but are locked in a battle now for one single place in the division. I see us having the potential to do what Plymouth have done. Six million budget. We'd need input. We'd need to sell a player. We'd need to do this or that. But I think we're on that trajectory. We looked to there's a story doing the rounds at the moment about Queen's Park. You'd love it. I don't know if you've read I it. I shared it, it on Twitter earlier. It might have been you that somebody sent. <laughs> I think Pete <laughs> sent it directly to me. Uh, it's a
0: it's a brilliant article. Yeah, it's a brilliant and article.
2: I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the Plymouth one, and the Plymouth one was really interesting because they were talking about how they've run it like a business.
0: Yeah, because chairman. football's a terrible business, and and exactly. And I I was reading
2: that, and I thought that sounds like what we do. That's us. Yeah, but yeah, exactly no need for a director of football. You know? I'm not convinced. People say they're not convinced by this. They're not convinced by that. And uh, people are entitled to their opinion. Outside of COVID times, we are going to secure our highest place in 40 years. If that's not evidence enough that we're on the right track, on and off the field, I don't know what ever will be. I don't know what ever will be. And I'm not criticizing or calling people out, genuinely not. I'm just saying. If you think this season has been a poor one, or you think Mark Kennedy should go at the end of the season, this is going to be controversial. And please don't at me or DM me because I'll ignore it. But you don't know anything about football, and that is absolutely purely and simply fact.
0: Well, yeah, I imagine. I'm please, you Mark jumped Kennedy... in to save me there. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine Mark Kennedy has uh, surpassed expectations. He obviously had an interview with a with a board last season. That have spoken about targets and what the expectations are this season. There'll be league finishes, there'll be points tallies, there'll be minutes to youth players of targets, cup run targets. I imagine he has surpassed almost every single one of them. We are the youngest squad in the in the league. Let's not forget that, youngest squad in the league. We have some cup runs, and we have very likely to finish in the top half. That has got that massive progression from last season.
2: What more can Absolutely. you ask for? Lee? What more can you ask for? We've got two other things to talk about one that's on the list, one that is not. Uh, the one that is not will be a surprise to Chris because. It's not on the list, first of all, there's been some rumors today coming out of um, the real EFL, which is my website, but I don't have editorial control over it. And they were as much news to me as they were to anybody else that potentially Ben House is being looked at by Sunderland, and Bristol City. I've also heard Peterborough mentioned as potentially being um, a, a destination for Ben as well. Uh, just to clarify, as I say, real EFL is my website, editorial. Uh, control is with Ryan, um, who is a, a journalist. He has connections with agents and things. The likelihood is this story has come out of um, an agent, potentially, whether it's Ben's agent, I don't know. You know These the stories come from somewhere. Um, whether there's any root, any base to them or not isn't for us to discuss. But there's, there's no surprise, is there? Uh, no Absolutely no surprise. Um, if he wasn't getting interest from
0: other clubs this summer... You'd have to question the recruitment teams of the other clubs. Ben House is the best centre forward in the league off the ball, and he's good on it. Quite simply, if you if you're gonna be if you're a championship club that's gonna be a bottom half club that's gonna be playing without the ball for a lot of the for a lot of the, a lot of the season, um, and you just want to lead the line and lead a press and to be really intelligent tactically, he'll it, will slot straight in. He'll slot straight into any any club in the championship in that kind of bottom half, I think. I think he, I think he starts. So I think he's that good on the ball. He's decent. We know he's got a decent finish on him. He's got a good touch. We know he's, his real skill set is off the ball. That, that's where he's, that's where he stands out. I think uh, as a centre forward. And I think you know we've criticised Luke Plans compared to other strikers, and that's the reason that they, that they seem poles apart. It's probably not what they do on the ball. To be honest, Benhouse has shown some really good moments on the ball. I'm not, I don't want to kind of um, take away from that. But I think if you're, if you're a uh, a championship club that's looking at a centre forward that scores, that scored 12, 13, 14 goals in League One. And that's all you're looking at. You've got a big, you know, a big pond to fish in. But if you're looking for someone from a lower division that's going to really just understand the tactical side of things, has the work rate right, um, and, and is, is really good off the ball, it's not, it's not many to choose from other than Ben House. So I obviously hope we keep hold of him. And if he does leave, I really, really hope we get a significant fee for him because we, you know, um, He he deserves one. The club, the club deserves one. The recruitment team deserve one for fishing him out of the national league because he he didn't score more than ten goals in a season. in The national league, so it's not like scored ten goals collectively. Eddie in the national league, Uh, maybe not. But he's um, you know for us to scout a centre forward in the national league, it's not like a McCoy Langstaff who's gone and scored forty goals. Who you got to go? Everyone knows who he is because he scored forty goals, and um, I know it's someone who probably wasn't getting a huge amount of attention from other clubs. You know he's not a, hasn't been prolific, but there's clearly something there. And we see it now, we've all seen that, we've experienced that now. And you know, credit to the recruitment team. And we talk about the model. I don't want him to leave the club. i want to keep holding your best players as often as you can. But for this club to progress, we have to we have to we have to sell a player now and then. And if we get him William, and good for Ben and we signed him for 30, 40, 50k. Well, from a business perspective, with a year, 18 month turnaround, that's just a hell of an investment and it's Good scouting, good coaching. Um, but I also think if we can keep holding him for one more year, he has a full season of what he's done since December. He's going to be worth double what he's worth now.
2: So there are three points I want to make on it. First of all, people talk you, you mentioned there correctly, he didn't score that many goals in the National League. Uh, he scored 12, I think, for us in League One, maybe 13 in total. I think if Ben House goes to the right team in the Championship, he scores more goals again. Because of his movement off the ball, because of the runs, because of his intelligent play, better players pick him out. Better players create more space, more time uh, and more chances for Ben House. And he's a great finisher. And the goal of the month competition this month will be won by Lass Sorensen because he's hit a ball from inside his own half. For me, the finish from Ben House for Port Vale... Wasn't Lasses is a one in a million finish. He's hit it at goal. He's caught it sweetly. But that the finish from Ben was what Ben will do eight times out of ten when you put him in that position. And the play to lead up to it was phenomenal. I thought I voted for that as my goal of the month. I, I try. I'm not trying to be edgy or cool with it. I just thought as, a, as an overall, it was great. So I think if he goes to the right championship team that creates chances for him, he scores goals. In terms of leaving this summer, um, yeah, obviously we want to hold on to him. My fundamental issue is I think if he has another year, he can go for free and we wouldn't want another year of Ben House, 14 goals, doing really well. Then he goes for free. That kind of goes against, not even just going to say the model, unless there's a year option in his contract. I I could be completely wrong here. I thought he had two more
0: years left yet. I thought he said a three and a half year deal when he signed.
2: You may I, well have done. I haven't looked. We can look it up. I think it was just... It was, called... just,
0: it was just a long-term deal, I think, um, I think when it was signed.
2: Issue is... Here we go. City have completed a permanent ben- sign of Ben House from Eastleigh. Uh, da, da, da. It doesn't say. It could be that we have a year's option. Um, I get that. Now, I think that what we want to do as a football club in terms of progression is hinging on one big sale right now because i think like the the, the teo edden departure that kind of plugged the gap post covid anthony scully didn't bring as much money in as perhaps we would have liked i think that we're looking for a one million pound player where 100%. we can then go to the recruitment team go and buy two quarter of a million pound players we'll bank the five hundred thousand, or we'll do whatever we need to do with that the recruitment recruitment i think is considerably easier when you're going to a club with a little bit of buying power. Look what we did to, with Saint Mirren and Ethan Arahan
0: Exactly. Right. I was just, I was just about to make the same point. Is you know with that that I'm imagining that money was left over from the Scully sale because we we already had Anthony Scully's replacement in the club. We would signed Jack Diamond, We signed yeah. um, Charles Vernon before Scully left. We had we had the replacement in the club already. Um, so we hadn't actually spent the Scully money, and then we invested that when the right player came up, along, we had the money to invest, and we all know how much of an impact Ethan Irrigan's made since he's come in. If you can buy a couple of players that have the impact he's had for a similar fee, but you're still making profit on that,
2: well, that's that's how we progress. That's how we close the gap between us and the bigger clubs. You make your money off strikers. I always remember Darren McAntony, love him or loathe him. He said, we'll never loan strikers in because we're not going to build value for somebody else's player. We'll loan players in anywhere else. Strikers, we buy. Strikers, we sell. And if we want to keep progressing, you buy strikers. OK, we won't get Macaulay Langstaff. We wouldn't get him if we went to Notts County, in my opinion, with quarter of a million pounds this summer. There's no guarantee if you did that he would do well. But if we want to buy a player who could be the next Ivan Toney, for instance, or the next Dwight Gale or the next Brett Sambolongo or whoever else has taken Peterborough through to the next level. You have to have 250,000, 300,000 pounds to spend. Ben House, if we probably spent 20, 25 grand on Ben House, realistically, probably hadn't scored that many goals um, for Eastley. You know, you, he, he's a one off. We won't go and spend 25,000 pounds on a striker from the National League with very few goals again who comes in and has the same impact as Ben House. I don't want him to go. I think he's great. I think he's, he's a blend of everything you want in a centre-forward. He's a yeah. shithouse. He scores goals. He works hard. He makes intelligent runs.
0: I think he's brilliant. I think he's a fantastic centre-forward. He's massively improved. And what he's brilliant at, he's brilliant at playing up there on his own. Yep. He could have quite, not comfortably, he can quite comfortably play up there with a two. Obviously, when Plungers come on in recent games, House has dropped into one of those two 10 roles, and he's perfectly adept at doing that as well. But he's perfectly capable of playing on his own. Um, we said before, the, the strikers were having the patting. Oh, he'd play well in a two, but on his own, he, doesn't, he just doesn't suit it. Probably Liam Cullen would be a good example of yeah. that. <clears throat> Couldn't you know, just, just what His style just was not suited at all to play not that lone striker role. Ben House is, and he can do it all day long. He can play in a one and a two, and he's versatile. Brilliant. I really think if we can keep hold of him for a season, and I'm not saying this, anyway, I'm, I'm generally glass half full in terms of the overall perspective of the club, but maybe a glass half empty in terms of expectations. Um, and I'm not saying at all that we're definitely going to go ahead and do this, but if we can keep Benhouse at the club, keep the majority of this squad together and add to it in the right areas, I think Benhouse being in the squad of that ideal quality and not could be the difference of us being a solid mid-table club and actually have an outside chance of the playoffs.
2: Okay, and I'll you said,
0: you know, this this season, your aspiration was top half. Expectation and hope was stay up. Um, and maybe kind of expectation was kind of that, that mid, no, sort of mid of the lower half. But the aspiration was top half. For me, aspiration is playoffs. But anything that's similar to this season would be my expectation of where we are going to be um, and would be a good season. But I do think a full season of him far- firing on four cylinders... Could be the difference of us just nicking those few extra points, turning some of those draws into some wins, to, to, to actually give us a you know a, that that sneaking chance of, of of edging into the playoffs.
2: Fair enough. It's always good to look into the future. And last night, as we're recording Wednesday night, as you were listening, we got a real glimpse potentially into the future, and the future's name is Bailey Adamson um now it's not obviously it's a wider it's a wider club thing but the under 17s won the floodlit cup final um adamson hit his second hat-trick in as many games so hat-trick in the semi-final to beat bolton hat-trick in the final to beat swindon town and um, from what i understand it was a, a really good performance um, from from a, a, a range of players one of which was mj kamara who you and i were talking about Drunkenly on the way back from a gig two weeks ago. <laughs> yes, we were. Yeah, I we, remember couldn't remember <laughs> we couldn't remember his name. We couldn't remember his name, well we could. I, I, I knew we'd signed a kid from Bromley who was who had got a kind of a big future. But I thought he was double-barreled, and it's camsen Kamara or something, isn't it? And it, but anyway, um, but a really good night, I think, for the under seventeens. A really good night for the football club. It's always good to see young players doing particularly well. We've picked out two there, but there were obviously 12, eleven, twelve, thirteen of them um that at under seventeen level are amongst the best in, in, in the business at this level. Um just positive for the football club to for to, to get the win.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was I, I would have loved to have gone to that. It was our it's our it's our football club training night, so I can never do a Wednesday night. Um I would have loved to have gone if if uh if I could. Uh, yeah, it's just brilliant news. It's just brilliant news to see, to see the positivity. And I remember when we first started to reinvest back in the youth team. All of the rhetoric at the time was, you're not going to see it in the next year or two, but in five, seven, eight, ten years, that's when you're going to start to see the, you know, it's going to come to fruition. And I think we're just, we're just starting to see a little bit of that now. You know, we've, we've, we've had players like Rowan, Draper, Long, you know, being in and around the first team squad. Gallagher obviously been there um in and around it again this season without making an appearance. Alicia Rahui was doing brilliantly out on loan at Draheda at the moment. As is Draper, actually, who scored uh, last week. He scored, yeah, he did. Yeah, uh, he's got three now, three goals in twelve games or something like that. You know, the work that's going on behind the scenes at the at the academy is is clearly doing um, doing what it's designed to do. And when you can take some silverware home and it can, you know, it can be open to to, to support us to witness it, it ju- it's just another way of just kind of proving proving that that's what's you know, it's working not it. It's
3: great. It is Indeed.
2: Yep, it is. Right. Well, I think that's probably us done and dusted because at the top of the show, you said to me, I don't know how, how we're going to talk for an hour when we were both too drunk to remember the Morecambe game. Um, I've been in bed this afternoon. I've been suffering since the stag weekend, not hangover. I have caught something. Although people, when you get older, hangovers do last longer. Um, yes, they but do. Actually, well, actually, but the thing is, I didn't really drink that much after Saturday. We had a couple on Sunday, didn't drink at all on Monday. You're not telling me on Thursday, I've definitely caught something. That's what I've been telling my, my other half anyway. That's probably from floating down a river. Floating down a river might have had something to do with it, yeah. yeah. So, so we did go rafting, <laughs> quick story, I know we're at the end of the podcast. So we went whitewater rafting, which which was more kind of like beige water in places, wasn't it? I mean, it was a great experience, but there was there was rapids. And then because of the time of year and everything, there was quite a lot of like slow rivers. So we got to this one point where... The guy says we're gonna pull a wheelie, which actually basically means you're all getting in the drink for a little bit. So anyway, I got chucked out first of all. Cheers, Pete, prick. Um, so he's he's thrown me out, he's I've taken him with me. We're floating down, you've been you've gone out, everyone's in the river. We're floating down the river on our buoyancy aids. It's cold, but we've got wetsuits on. And then somebody, and I don't know whether it was you or Pete first, said, I'm gonna have a piss. And I think it was you first, if I remember correctly. <laughs>
1: It was, I'm going like, I'm, I'm no, no no i'm not gonna admit it. I'm
0: gonna leave that to the to the, to everyone's imagination. Me and Pete did both eventually decide
2: to have a wee. and oh it was fantastic. Well, it was, the <laughs> it was thing so, is under it my was wetsuit, so, so satisfying. Under my wetsuit, I've got boxes and a pair of shorts on and the wetsuit, and it was quite chilly. And you two were going, just we, just we. And I'm like, I've got my clothes on, like, just we, and you all you're, you're actually, you're downstream from me, so your wee would have gone running off towards the rapids. It would have been mine We'll have got to yours first. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to bloody do it. And, you know, being soaked in my own urine. I have had that before when I was dressed as poacher on a pitch against Bournemouth. Um, that's got to be significantly worse than in a river. This, in the river was much more satisfying. It was when he started travelling up my back, and I'm like, oh, that's like having a wreck. What? I pissed myself. Should yeah, it, back? Well, yeah, because the warmth kind of went up a little bit, didn't it? I was mine, just went, mine the, went straight out, though.
0: I was only wearing a pair of undershorts, and that was it. Under my, yeah, exactly. Under my See, mine was funneled around. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there we go. That. That's fantastic. I suppose, I suppose, we have to tell everyone about my sleeping arrangements.
2: Uh, well, I, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna mention it at all, but okay, that's not you men. can do at the end of the, Pete uh, on Sunday morning. Monday morning was a knock at Pete's door. He was in a room on his own, mainly because he snores like, um, I don't know, like like a a traction engine. Uh, But it was Chris looking sorrowful after a second night of no sleep, uh, courtesy of the Stacey West's own snoring machine. Chris's roommate and new worst enemy, Ben.
0: Now, I said this to Ben. I said, I don't hate... I don't hate Conscious Ben. Conscious Ben's a lovely bloke. He's all right. He's all right. Um, Asleep Ben. Oh, my God. I was an angry boy.
2: I slept in the bath. bath?
0: I slept in the bath two nights. (laughs) Yep. That was the only way I could get away from the noise. I slept
2: in the bath. Oh, I felt for you. I did because I had Dale. <laughs> you know people who listen. Somebody, of, some of you might know Rodders Dale, who used to work at Prime Take um, and and a couple of other places. Foot, footballer in the Sunday League, Dale Rausen, and he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Me and him, perfect synergy. But yeah, <laughs> I I felt for you. And, and Dave, our other mate, shared with Matt and they got back at Saturday night at three o'clock in the morning and Matt decided to have a coffee to help himself get to sleep uh, and then wondered why he couldn't sleep. I'm pleased I wasn't <laughs> in that room as well. Do you know what I mean? So all good. Right. That takes us to an hour and 15 minutes. It's far more than people want to listen to us. And I've got to shoot a rat that's taking the piss out of me, sat outside my window. Yeah. Oh, I know. So, all that's left to say is for the final time this season when we look forward to a game, but not the final time over the summer, uh, up the imps. Up the imps.
1: on 16-123. 116 That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
2: It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app